be and getting the benefit from helping others. Yeah. How does that help me? But then when I realize that just helping, just seeing a smile on someone else's face, and no one has to know that you're actually you know, help them get to it. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, just that, that, that internal gratification of seeing someone yeah. else's success, or you know, seeing someone be able to eat, or whatever it may be, whatever happens from, from, from your help, I think that alone kind of drives me and that helps throughout the process. Awesome. So, uh, episode five, Adversity Kings, your host, Tristan. Like I said, I'm done saying that the last four episodes, but we got, we got one of our, one of our, uh, special guests, another coworker, another partner in the business, again, financial services industry, working life insurance and, uh, record holder, uh, recently broke a record in our, in our company. And um, in addition to that, just uh, overall great guy, member of some of our special sales clubs as well. Been a veteran in this business, I think 11 or 12 years. And I think I, I've, I've been in here going on five years. So actually he just recently had his 10, 10, 10 year anniversary. 10 years. Yeah. So um, his back end side of business is 100% vested. He could really go do whatever he wants to do, but he still decides to put up with us, me, daily and uh, <laughs> we all just keep chipping away um so this is andre ben hey 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 guys how you doing man uh i, I love that introduction and um sometimes you really don't realize how time just flies you know flies. it seems like yesterday that i started yes you know, the only thing that kind of points out the differences is her, my son was like like down to my knees at the time when um yeah when i started tiger Yep, we got him in the background too. He's yeah, gonna watch the whole. He's gonna be the first podcast viewer, technically speaking, out of all episodes, all still being edited. Everything's gonna be starting launch hopefully tomorrow. Uh, so you're our first viewer, so awesome. And this is Andre's son. Nice, nice, nice. So, yeah. So, I mean that 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 that's one of the one of the markers for me. It's like I remember when he was here. I remember missing. You know, him waking up some mornings. Yeah. You know what I mean, oh, kind of yeah, yeah. go out there and putting out the grind and, and then, you know, missing him going to bed at night. But, you know, 10 years, just, it flies fast and it's 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 just a beauty to know that I actually made it there. Yeah. You know I mean, like how many people could say they've done something for 10 years and yes. then live. You know yeah. I mean? ah, that's really, that's, that's really true. Because I think of all the percentages of just, Things that just don't last. You know right. what I mean? Like that, exactly. that ain't lasting, that ain't lasting, that ain't lasting, that ain't lasting. And so yeah, absolutely last. Plant your feet in a career and blossom and maintain the consistency you've had over the over the years, especially in uh not a, a very great and lucrative demographic, but at the same time a very difficult and hustler demographic being exactly. here in Chicago. Yeah, because uh, definitely Chicago is it's probably like one of those most skeptical towns. You yeah, know, like everybody's skeptical. Things, you know what I mean? So it's just about, um, I, I wouldn't even really say surviving, but it's more so of, of being more like a servant yeah. to others. And I think that, that kind of simplifies the process, simplifies yeah. the hustle when you become a servant. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And um, over the years, it's really what, what brought me the most gratification. Yeah. It's literally helping others regardless of what aspect. Yes, you got a big heart. You know, I was I was reading and I was thinking in like the Stoics, just the different philosophy things. I mean, you're you're really intelligent, far more intelligent than me. And uh, I I think of with the the philosophy side of things, I was reading, 
you know, we both are like big heart, but what comes with a big heart is obviously there's a lot of joy in giving and seeing people, exactly. but you also, people take advantage of your kindness. And we were talking about this the other night and, and your, your sweetness and it's finding that balance because, and, and it's not that people even like always intentionally, maliciously go up, go out of their way to take advantage of you. It's just, they can't help themselves. They see something okay. that provides and then, uh, you know, we're just, we're, we're designed, I feel like neurologically to collect and to right. take Correct. and, right. and, and, uh, when you're a giver, you know, like I try to be like, you definitely are, you, you, you're, you find yourself over the years given. And, and when you, when you need a handout or like, you know what I mean? Like, there's like no one there. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's kind of how you measure like the, I think that's a great way, a great tool to measure, you know, the authenticity in a relationship is like, who's there with you. Exactly. You know, not even really to be soft on you, but just like there, even just to be there. Right, just to be there. Because a lot yeah. of times people don't realize that you can give in different ways. And you don't necessarily yep. just have to give exactly what you what you got. Yes. So it's not necessarily like a bank where you're like, I'm just depositing money and when I need it, I'm just going to ask for money back. But yeah. Sometimes you can deposit various things. You might help people financially, you might help people with advice, but sometimes you might just need that support. And sometimes people, don't realize that support doesn't necessarily come just from maybe a financial supporter saying that sometimes support can just simply be an unjudgmental ear. Yes. And a lot of times yeah. people don't have that. That's really valuable, especially in today's day and age. Exactly. So, you know, it, I feel like just, just helping people throughout life, throughout that process, and like that Zig Ziglar quote that we haven't talked about a lot is just helping as many people as you can accomplish what their, their goals yeah. are. You know, eventually we'll get yours, and that was a struggle for me for years. Kind of like understanding that process of, you know, being getting the benefit from helping others. Yeah. Like how does that help me? But then when I realized that just helping, just seeing a smile on someone else's face, and no one has to know that you're to, you know, help them get to. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, just that yeah. that that internal gratification of seeing someone yeah. else's success, or you know, seeing someone be able to eat or whatever it may be, whatever happens from, from, from your help, I think that alone kind of drives me and that helps throughout the process. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Now, you grew up in Jamaica. Yes, sir. So, how did, like, what are your earliest memories of, like, growing up in Jamaica? And then, like, when did you get over here? Who came with you? So, whew, some of my earliest memories is I remember when my family, I think it's my mom, dad, two older brothers, three, so six of us living in one room. I would yeah. not say it's a, I wouldn't say it's a, it wouldn't even be a studio, it's just a room. You know, yep. Everything that's there. Have you ever seen the, the, the TV show MASH? I've been in like, like, like what you're describing. I haven't seen the show, but I've been in just like the building is one room. Yeah, you know what but, I mean? But when, when I'm talking about the TV show MASH, you know those little cots, that military cot that kind of folds up yeah, yeah, so so that was that was my bed for a little bit. So we had one of those. Um, we had a queen size bed. So mom and dad, and um, when I'm at, sometimes I'll be in a bed with them. Yeah, and my my brothers would be on the other side. So I, I, that was one of my earliest memories. You know, outside of seeing things on a photo, and that's one of my earliest memories uh, in life there. And then my dad, he's an interior decorator. Started yeah. off his profession as an upholsterer. Um, so just, just working with his hands, you know, and kind of came up and I, and I saw this evolution from not having to, to having, 
Yeah. You look at it from a Jamaican standpoint, you know, from not having to having, and and I was able to see that transition with my dad going from, you know, living in one room to having a two bedroom, you know, house living in a two bedroom house. That's huge. Yeah, I was gonna say is that like huge? That's huge. Going from going from one room, yeah, no kitchen, going outside to go to the bathroom to living in the house with the bathroom on the inside. Yeah, and that and having two bedrooms, that's a huge step. And I was able to, to see that process and I saw the grind that my, my dad put in throughout that process. That kinda inspired me. Yeah. So for me, coming up in Jamaica, I always wanted to be an accountant simply yeah, I because I wanted to work with my dad. Yeah. I saw my dad's business come up and so on and so forth. Jamaica was a cash a cash based country, you know, yeah. you're paying people, you're paying by cash. So if you go to the bank, you'll you'll get this lump sum of money means paying paying the other people that's working with them. And as a kid I would sit down and stuff envelopes, you know, so in my mind, I'm like, hey, I want to be an accountant so I could work yeah. with my dad and my dad's business throughout the process. And that, that was kind of like some of my early years. Um, I came to the United States the first time, um, I think about 1991, 1992. Um, here I came on a Disney World trip yeah. and, uh, and, and some soccer stuff and, and decided to, to stay. My grandmother was out, already here, stayed in about a year and a half. Did sixth grade, partial seventh grade, hated the cold, um, got sent back. So wait, where were you living here? I uh, actually in Hoffman Estate, so I was actually living with my aunt in Hoffman Estate. So I went to in Ad- Illinois then. In Illinois. Okay. Went to Einstein Elementary. Uh, okay. Played soccer for a little bit. Um, that's that's my sport. You know, did pretty well with that. Played on a, a few traveling teams. Yeah. And I got went back to Jamaica by choice. You know, my mom got tired me telling her that I want to go back home so she sent me back to Jamaica. I uh, did high school there then moved back in 1997. Was it your choice again to move back? No that was by force it's like hey you know all your documents is coming in you need to go back um, so me and my little brother came back. Whose idea was it to force you over though? I think it's it when you think about coming from a third world country, it's almost like America is just that that country of so like parents are always shipping their kids out like with the dream of like the only way you're gonna have better is, is if you go to America. America. Exactly, and, and and that's what it was. And for me, I was like, I just know. to be in the United States. Yeah, I see, a lot of people take better. take life for granted. You know what I mean? They don't realize mm-hmm. like how much opportunity just lies within the United States of America. That there's people, billions of people. In other countries and other continents that just here. They, and they what well, they like we, we like you know you got to go to a private school you got to do this you got to have an education you got to have a degree like there's like people in third world countries that are, would die for they would give up their lives for their kids just just to be in the United States of America and they, they they actually do so you know like I've had friends that died to try to come here literally try to get here on a boat fell off stuff like that literally yeah. died to try to come here and that's why sometimes you see foreigners. You know, they come to the United States and they, they actually work so hard and people are like, hey, why does this foreigner, you know, do so much better than maybe someone that's local? But it's 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 maybe just that appreciation of having the opportunity. Yeah. Whereas you didn't happen and I got it and I don't really want to waste it because there's a potential that I might be asked to go back home. Yeah. So back home voluntarily or, or, or involuntarily. So they want to take advantage of that process. So you'll you'll see that where some foreigners might outwork locals. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. Time. Especially in like in our industry where it's hundred percent commission. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of like individuals that, that are either completely immigrants or or somewhat their parents were, or there's a like a percentage of them that like they're mm-hmm. slightly 
or they just have that we just kind of like label them with they've got the immigrant work ethic you know mm -hmm. what i mean like i think a lot of the top performers you know even when i go to like these uh home office councils or certain things like that and you've you've got to see it as well over the years just like these it's like these people could barely speak english you know or they got broken english and they're like number one number two in our company top top income earners just just top performers all around you know what i mean in every area of their life they just and I think a, a lot of times that, that kind of lends to the point of adversity or, or, or not having, you know, throughout the process. I and mean, when someone doesn't have and they get the opportunity to get, yeah. you know, someone's like, hey, I don't want to waste this opportunity. Yeah. Especially when someone else paved the way for you. People that get out of prison, too. I, right. My first episode was with Peter. And in two years, he's built up to a million-dollar company out of, out of prison. Exactly. You know? So it's like just, just having that sense of, of loss, not having. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, all right, well, I, I never want to be back in that space. Yes. I, mean? I, I remember listening to T.D. Jakes, and I just posted his stuff that he's fired. And uh, he's, so he's a pastor. He's a pastor down in Texas, I believe. But I think he started in North Carolina with Stephen mm -hmm. Furtick, who's also fired. But I remember him saying something. It's, it's going to stick with me forever. And he was like, you really don't appreciate breathing until you've got a stuffed nose. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you don't appreciate being able to speak until you've got a sore throat. Or, like, exactly. you don't appreciate being able to eat until you've got a stomach ache. Like, you really don't appreciate... Uh, profit and positivity and just addition to their subtraction and exactly. you've had loss or you've been near near like you know, we're selling insurance you know we tell people like look there's three times you typically do this one you're having a conversation with somebody like myself two you had a near-death experience or three you know somebody that, that has passed. recently passed away and you've been involved in the situation and that's true and that's life exactly i mean just 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 think about for those parents that are out there listening you know me being a parent myself Nice to hear my parents say, hey, I was a kid once. But when you talk about not having, so so you look at a kid, they typically want to go outside when they're grounded, you know, because yeah. they're like, you know, 20 below in the wintertime. They're like, hey, I want to go outside and play basketball simply because your parents said, hey, you can't go. Yeah. But if you didn't take that away from them, the opportunity to do that at will, yeah. you know, they'll stay in the house because their excuse is going to be like, hey, man, it's too cold. Now. And learn Spanish and change their, change their phone. Exactly. And Spanish. Exactly. Like your children. They like it. They, you know, Not like only to, is Andre way smarter than me, but he's he's trained up his pupils to be <laughs> They're like artificial intelligence. His baby just taking over the world. Exactly. Right. Grounds his son and he changes the phone to Spanish. And that, Andre's like, yo, what is wrong with your phone? Exactly. I can't do anything. I'm like, hey, man. What is this? Yeah, well, I changed it to Spanish. That was a smart move on Crazy that smart move. Smart. Hilarious. I don't know if you'll ever, ever tell the. Uh, one story he told me I don't want to put anybody on nah, glass. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, we do that story, but years down the road, maybe we will. Who knows? Yeah, that one's cool. funny. <laughs> um, so Jamaica, you got over here ninety seven. How old were you? Uh, Sixteen, going on seventeen. When I got here. So I was um, born in ninety eight. Oh man, so I'm yeah. a nineties baby. 90s I love baby. I love telling people that. Like, yeah, ninety seven. I got here. Um, had to go back to high school something that I hated because I'm like yeah. in, in Jamaica high school ends at 11th grade um, so I pretty much was, you know I was done with high school yeah. you know by the time I came back here but because of my age I had to go back to high school so I yeah. went to South Shore High School didn't like it at all um, so I actually dropped out of high school American high school Okay. Uh, I dropped out of it because I didn't you know I didn't like school Yeah. so I dropped out tried to go and get my GED there's so many obstacles that came up. It's like, hey, you can't get it because you dropped out of school. And like, hey, I was done with school already, you know, before yeah. I got here. And they're like, no, 
you know, time passed, you know, adversities happened, I had a kid, started working, and all those different things, but I kind of pushed through the process. And I remember finally when I got my GD, I went to Robert Morris and I sat down with uh, my, uh, my counselor. Her name was Beauty. That was her real name. Yeah. Beauty. And her parents are from Jamaica. Oh, like a racehorse. I know. <laughs> her parents is from Jamaica. And she, you know, I was explaining to her, I was like, hey, you know, I told her my process. And she was like, hey, all you had to do was get your transcript translated to American standards. And you could have been in college like years ago. I'm like, are you serious? And she's like, do you want to do it now? I'm like, no, after me going to take my GED and pass with like a, a high score, use this to get me in. You know, I'm not going to pay for anything else. I remember that process. Feeling frustrated, not necessarily knowing what it was, but it didn't really kind of deter me from from doing, you know, what was necessary in order to get my degree and kind of go from that process. Yeah. Now, with and then you ended up though getting your degree. So how did you get? How did you get enrolled into college? Because now you have a master's. Yes. Okay, so you got like a master's in like accounting too, right? Right. So I think one one of those things was I already had kids at that point, so I felt like it was kind of tough. I tell your kids to do something that you never yes. did. And I, I kind of really truly believe it kind of like lead by example yes. throughout that process. So I'm like, hey, regardless of where life leads me to be, if I'm going to instill my kids that, hey, you got to go through school. And it wasn't really, I didn't necessarily have this huge entrepreneurial mindset. I do know that I wanted to have my own business and stuff like that, but it, it wasn't like so open because information wasn't that, that out there as it is today. So therefore, I was just like, hey, I got to make sure I'm going to school, set this example throughout. So I remember. While going to school, my daughter would ask me when I would typically say, Did you do your homework? My daughter would turn to me and be like, Hey, Dad, did you finish your homework? And I'm like, Wow, I couldn't believe that. And that was more so my motivation to kind of get through. It's it really my kids at that time. Yeah. Because I wanted to set that example for them. Like, Hey, you know, regardless of what you see at your dad, your dad has accomplished this and he did do this yep. throughout the process. So if I'm asking you to do something, I'm not asking you to do what, I, what I've never done. Yes. Uh, therefore. So that was kind of like one of my biggest motivators uh, to kind of make sure I accomplish my, my degree. Dope. Yeah. And so that's really dope. So I ended up getting his master's in accounting. That's sweet. And then I think before we completely jump back over here, what are like the core things of Jamaica? Like I love a jerk chicken. You put me on the jerk chicken. <laughs> Pretty much like the first day I got here. So we drove out to Indiana that week, got jerk chicken. And I was, it was jerk chicken, ginger beer, and like the, the toast even seems different. Right. So, I mean, jerk chicken, to be honest, is like a Friday night thing for Jamaicans. Yeah. Um, but but my, my favorite dish in Jamaica is actually our national dish, ackee and sawfish. And you could do it with different things. You use that at breakfast or dinner. So I like ackee and sawfish and boiled dumplings. You know, you got fried dumplings or boiled dumplings. Because Jamaica is a complete island. Complete, complete island. island. So yours, your, your diets are just seafood infused. Kind, kind of, I would say it's a, it's a mixture throughout. And ironically, you know, back then, um, seafood was actually almost like steak per se. You know what I mean? That was like the higher, you know, okay, the higher end of, of, of eating. Because you know, I think I read something that back like back in the day though, like back in the day, like eighteen hundreds in a sense, like maybe early nineteen hundreds. More, I think, eighteen hundreds prior. It was like slaves and prisoners were given seafood as like their food because it was that was like the bottom level mm -hmm. because you think like all the prisoners and slaves that were being like transported in those 
It's like that's the easiest go to. That would make it made sense. I don't know if I'm completely accurate, but I think it was. Yeah, I'm not sure. See, so that's the thing. I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. But it's cool. Like now, it's like flip. Like now, a lot. You, you go to some places. We go to some nice places. Lobster tail can cost you one hundred, two hundred dollars. Exactly because you know that's what it is in Jamaica. Like well, that's probably one of the best things for me is going back and like eating from the people on the side of the road. Oh know, my like, god! Getting your chicken from far. the guy on the side of the road. Yeah. You know, you're getting a cup of soup from the guy on the side of the road. Or, we're going to like one of these little shacks, you know, like on the on the seaside, so you're not like fresh catch, you know, snapper yes. that's steamed. Kamara brought me this one plate, and I think we had some Jamaican food kind of at your birthday. Is there something? Now Kamara brought me this one plate. It was it was up there, really up there with your jerk chicken, and it was oxtail, mm -hmm. a little bit of jerk chicken. It was like a vegetable mix, but it was more like it was like stir fried kind of. Yeah, yeah, like it was yeah. like a oh and soupy a little bit with like some beans in there, mm -hmm. and then he had like these giant dumplings, right? And like they like like soaked sucked up the soup and it was it was fun. the oxtail was fire. Now is that something you guys eat a lot of? Yes. I'm a big foodie. Yeah, oxtail, oxtail is pretty much like a big thing. Like right now, just think about it. Oxtail is literally the, the, the that used to be like, like garbage. Just think about it. that's the, the the tail of the cow. You know what I mean? So yeah. who thinks about eating the tail of a cow? We didn't right now. It's it's, it's, it's actually like even here in the states and stuff. It's so expensive. It's great. You know, it's good food. Um, that that's something that we used to love to eat. You know, while I used to. Eat How do you guys? Because I mean, this thing fell right off the bone. Yeah, this I, thing was I, fire. I'm definitely not a chef. So you, wanna, you're I, not I, chef I, yet. I don't, don't want to. I don't want to. Who's a who was a, who's a go to cook in your family here in Chicago? Like, can't nobody out cook them? I mean, it's always mom. Yes. Right? You know, it's always mom, regardless of what it is. So it's like, and that's like, and, and, and that's typically in every home. That's like, you know, normally that that's the standard. So your wife, mom, or your mom? My mom, when it comes to Jamaican food. Okay. And, and the, the amazing thing You're about it is. You're for shaking your head. I don't want to and, know. <laughs> and the amazing thing about it is, and, and I got to show some appreciation to my wife, is that, you know, though she's American, she actually... She showed interest in learning how to cook Jamaican That's food, awesome. and and she actually like her oxtails is is just as good as my mom's. Yeah, you know. So I know my mom showed her that. My dad showed her how to do uh, Jamaican style fried chicken. Yeah, and kind of make our sweet and sour uh, gravy. She's pretty good at uh, uh, rice and peas and stuff That's like that. Rice and peas. So she has the these things, and I really got to give her a shout out for yes. for for accepting my culture. You know. What yes. I mean? And putting out that effort to try to do it because you know a lot of times people just look at it like hey you know that that's that that's not me that's your culture this is mine i might like your food but yeah. i'm not necessarily going for that i definitely got to give her a big shout out for yes. doing it and actually you know mastering it because it, yes. it's it's her oxtails it's it's at some point it's it's have as you ever good had, as my mom's have you ever had chitlins no sir i'm not a pork guy um, not I, pork now jamaica is jamaica not pork no, it's actually me. So, so my my brother screwed me up in, in that. So I, I used okay. to, as a kid, I used to eat pork chops. And I remember one Sunday, he messed uh, up. Yeah, he literally came to me and said, "Hey, you gonna pour this rum on your pork chop and maggots are gonna come out of it?" And I never ate you envisioned that. something and got like almost yep. food poisoning. I was, I was six years old. So oh yeah, thirty four years ago, man, and I haven't eaten pork since. Hey, dude, you do not look forty. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I always forget that. I make fun of you guys all the time. I call them the dinosaurs. Yeah. Our yeah. very diverse cult. But like these guys, no, nobody here looks. You can never. You can never laugh at. You can never tell anybody's really over thirty. But uh, so that's that's dope. And the music there, it's diverse too. Like I feel like the guys like that, that I know of, like uh, was like John Kingston. Uh, yeah, yeah. That would be like maybe not the best reference because I think you know who, who else who better to reference than Bob Marley Bob Marley and yeah. didn't Jimi Hendrix come from uh, is Jimi Hendrix Jamaican hey probably just that I'm, I'm not 100% sure so don't, don't let me lie about that but there, there's a hey is Jimi Hendrix Jamaican so so there's a there's a, a bunch of Jamaicans like Buster Hines is Jamaican okay um, Debbie D you remember Debbie D yes he's Jamaican so there's a lot of people in the in the, in the rap world uh, that's Jamaican. I feel like when you, when you think about like American music and, and Jamaican music, they kind of like bounce back and forth yep. from, from based on the history. Rihanna. Yeah, I know. Right, Rihanna. She's a billionaire, I believe. Yeah. And she's an islander. She's not necessarily from Jamaica, but, but she's from the Caribbean. It's kind of just think about like from what I know from the music, there's, you know, hip hop was influenced by reggae, but reggae was kind of influenced by jazz. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So it's kind of like this. This this symbiotic relationship that I feel like the the, the the two countries lend to each other on, and it's just my personal opinion, and I'm not like the music, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, buff or anything like that, but I just feel like there's this symbiotic relationship that you can just look through and see the different influences yep. that each each country kind of gave to each other, and they stand on their own. Um, but but I do like you know like that relationship that kind of that kind of builds from that. So yes. Like, now, is your dad, or your dad and mom, they still together? No. No, but is he in Chicago? My dad spends, it's like, he, he's back and forth, so he spends some time in Jamaica, and then he comes here, so he's probably here for maybe, like, three, four months out of the year. Okay. He, he typically does it in reverse, I don't know why. Um, instead of coming here in the summertime, you know, he chooses to come here in the wintertime, I don't know, I'm like, why? I'm like, people here want to leave in the wintertime. Yeah. So he's typically... You know, come here probably spend like three or four months out of the year and yep. go back. Uh, so you kind of see him, he gets a, a chance to kind of hang out with the grandkids and stuff. Yes. Like that. So it's pretty dope. Yes, that's sweet. Now, you inspired me to watch Jamaican movies, meeting you, maybe not asking you directly, but I'm, I'm a big movie guy. And I was like, man, what, what are Jamaican movies? And I think I started asking, you know, you and others. And I think one I remember off the top of my head is like Shadas. Is that the most, what would you say is the most accurate? Jamaican movie. Depending on what part of Jamaica you're looking at, because Jamaica, I feel like it's how big is Jamaica? Probably could fit in Lake Michigan, I believe, from one point to like the longest. Are you point, serious? I believe, I believe it's about a hundred and about hundred and twenty miles from the longest point, so it's, it's really not that big. Jimi Hendrix is he Jamaican? No, he's from the UK. He's from the he's UK. Yeah. What the? You guys got me over here sounding nuts. How big is Jamaica? To make it's sure long, it's miles? like 121 miles or something like that. I could like, run out in a day. Oh, wow. David Goggins. <laughs> David Goggins could run Jamaica in a day. Right, he's going to run Jamaica in a 4, day. 4,200 yeah. miles. Huh? 4,000? That's like square miles? Yeah. Yeah, oh, square, okay. no, but like longest point, like from what? Length. Like a whole oh, length? Yeah, it's only 100, 146. Yeah, 146 out of about 20 miles, literally. But the thing about it is because we don't really have that much expressways. Yeah. yeah, it's like a it's like a, a twenty four hour trip from one point to the next. Oh my god! At one, at, have you, you had know, to do that trip? Like, I, no, no, no. I've never, I've never went from point to point. And there's probably like places in Jamaica that I've never been to. 
Um, like, not probably. I do know that. Are there monkeys there? I don't know. I've never seen what I mean. I like in the zoo. I think it's the most dangerous thing there. I think I read like there's like this squirrel dog thing. Uh, oh man, what's it called? A macarena. Mangoes. You guys are mongoose. It's a mongoose, so it's not necessarily it's 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 something that was brought to Jamaica to eat like these snakes. Yeah, the snakes and black crocodiles actually. Mark when you guys got crocodiles. Yes, we So that would probably be the most dangerous thing. I think so. I think I've seen. Maybe like three or four from like in the wild. So it's not like you go to Florida and you see all these alligators and stuff like that. You know, like you see them all the time. So I've only seen them in the wild. Maybe like three times in my life. Oh, you were saying they were, I don't know where he was. They're, they're probably everywhere. I'm just saying yeah. from my perspective. Yeah. Because you, you know, you see it all the time. Like on, you know, people tell you about it. It's like, hey, we see this and you'll probably kill the crop. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'll so what's the most them. dangerous thing there? People. Yeah, I was going to say bad people. Yeah, people, I would say it's probably the most dangerous thing. So, at what point did you get your masters? And we're back, so we're back over here. 2009. And so that means you were starting here. Started here in 2011. October 10th, 2011. That was my first day in class here. October 10th, 2011. First day in class. Uh, COVID, I guess, was my first piece of business. October 22nd, I believe. What's the best memory you have with working here? Best memory is being set up. I guess the crazy thing about it is I remember walking in uh, the door and I honestly like cocky or something, but I remember when I got the phone call, it wasn't really what I expected. I walked in, it wasn't necessarily what I expected, and I asked the guy because you know I didn't really know what to, to come into. I asked the guy, and it's a talker. He's the guy that was interviewing me. I was like, hey man, is this a commission based opportunity? He was like, yeah. And cocky me. He's like, hey man, if, it, if I knew I wouldn't, I wouldn't have came, but since I'm here, I'm going to stay with us. And uh, that was that was the, the cocky me at the time. Yeah. I sat down and I remember listening to Dave Wang uh, going over the overview. And it really inspired me because he was, was more, he was direct. And I'm kind of like, like I'm, I'm one of those people like, hey, just tell it as it is. Yeah. I mean, let me, let me upset the worst and just go from there. And it was, it was pretty direct and really inspired me throughout the process. I sat down and I talked to Ataka from that point. And, and I told him, like, give me a second, let me go home and think about it. He called me up like, the next day and I'm like, all right, let's go. So that was actually sometime in September. You know, kind of did that. And so our start date uh, for October and we started, went through the process. And, uh, he, he set me up to help build my confidence, which I didn't know until like months later after I started. So, yeah. Um, for me, like he had something that, that I just call like a pocket deal. You know, he had a yeah. deal that he was kind of working on throughout the process, kind of help me with my script, help me with my application and everything. So it was good. So I remember calling me up. He's like, hey, meet me at this appointment. So I got to the appointment <clears throat> and we were sitting there. He's like, hey, man, you're good. Just, just go ahead and do your presentation. That's normal. You know, just, just do everything. And I went ahead and did the presentation. And they said yes. And I didn't know what to do. I'm like, oh, crap. I'm, like, I'm just like ecstatic. When I had my application, it's done. I'm like, hey, man, this is so amazing. I remember it was $1,435.27 my first deal. I'll never forget that. That's huge. That first deal that I wrote. And then months later, he was like, hey, man, you remember that deal that you wrote? I had already sold it. I knew exactly what you were going to do. 
I didn't realize the importance of helping your people confidence, how much more important that was than what they actually know. Yes. Because I feel like if I didn't get that boost of confidence in that point, maybe I wouldn't have left. You know what I mean? Yep. And I felt like that moment really helped me throughout the process that, that just solidified, like, hey, I can do it. Though it was a setup, and I realized the importance of, of helping people build their confidence throughout the process. And, that just kind of just rolls right into what I do you know, now. I feel like I'm more like a confidence builder than, than, than anything. Because you can know everything. I could feel like you're the best, but if you don't feel like you're the best, then you're not the best. Because what you feel is really more important than I feel. Absolutely. And that's what I realized from, from that moment. So I'd say that's probably one of my most memorable things. That's crazy. From, from crazy, powerful too. What's your, uh, what's the funniest thing that you remember? Mm. And there's so many funny moments, but I'm not quite sure if I can share. Yeah, what's the funniest thing you can share? <sighs> oh, so we had a roast one time um, for one of our Christmas, uh, our Christmas things. You guys made fun of each other or you made food? Nick made fun of each other. Nick made fun of everyone, so he was kind of like TBC and kind of just went through the process. And I think that was probably one of the most funniest things. Our quality guy, Nick. Our quality guy, Nick. Roasted everybody. He roasted everybody. So it was one of our, our, our like our Christmas parties. I think he yeah. roasted everybody. I think that was one of the, the funniest moments for me. You know, just kind of watching, you when know, we talked about people's sweaters, how people dress, everything. And, uh, and it, was, it was an amazing time because you got to see a different side of it. Most people just think Nick, so Nick the Butcher. So yeah. What you could think of him, but you got to see Nick like, from your like, really great perspective. So I think that was one of the most funniest things I could share. What are, uh, what's the best memory, or what do you think about the best thing or memory that your your parents individually kind of instilled into your childhood or your life? Like the best, best memory or thing or value or something? I would say my dad. My dad said something to me when um, he, he said it when I was younger, and, and then he said it again when I was having my first year. And he, he said that his job was to provide, and my mom's job was to, was to raise us, was to nurture us. And then when I, when I had my first kid, he said to me, he said, son, he said, if you used to eat fish, this was his exact statement, if you used to eat fish, don't think you don't. You don't stop eating fish because you, you have a kid. Just know you have to provide an extra fish. So it's basically saying like, hey, don't change your lifestyle. You feel like you have an addition. Just go out and work a little bit harder so you can provide more of what it is that you have uh, for the children. And that was, was powerful for me um, that, that he would actually say that because I kind of saw it. You know, yeah. There's, there's a lot of faults that my dad has. And, yeah, you want to put them on a glass. Yeah, no, we're gonna push down. But the, but the truth of the matter is, there, there, there's a few things that he actually said to me yep. that kind of resonated. And I was able to see that process. I saw him work every day until my mom came to the stage. She didn't, so I didn't see her work. So I, I saw that as he stood on his word to be a provider. Yeah. And then giving me the same advice when I'm having children, I felt like, all right, that's a solid advice that I could take. Simply because I saw him live it regardless of all the other faults. So I definitely know you know. What about your mom? My mom, my man, you know, talk, she, she taught me the importance of school. 
Right. Like I, I used to think that like my mom was hard on me. In Jamaica, we would do uh, like you know spelling tests. We get like a hundred words to go home and study, yeah. and um, you know you get a test on Monday. And our and our teachers won't give you the test the first thing in the morning because you're studying. When you're coming in, studying. it's the last thing of the day intentionally. And after you had you know recess and you had lunch and you're playing, and you forget all about your test and you get into the last one. So one of my most memorable times was these hundred words, but I I got ninety seven out of hundred, and uh, my my mom was upset because I misspelled one word, and, and it was refrigerated. <laughs> and I think I still have a tough time spelling refrigerated today, probably because of that. words. ironically. <laughs> You know, like looking back at that, um, you know, as a kid, you know, I'm like, why didn't you celebrate my name? So, you know what I mean? Why, why didn't you do that? You know, I was so upset throughout uh, uh, my, my childhood and probably like my, my early adulthood because that, that stained my mind. Yeah. I, I, I actually got a whooping in Jamaica, whooping was the more. So I got a yeah. whooping. Oh my God, I've been forgetting seven for Of soccer, like if anything else that like you were just ever really been interested in or intrigued by. So, I, uh, as far as hobbies, that was probably like the biggest thing. But then, as being a parent, I think like spending time 
you know, like building forts for the kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that, that's that's like the living room forts. Living room forts, you know. Um, setting up our own little movie theaters under under the uh, the dining room table with iPads. And yeah. Stuff like that. Uh, just just kind of like me and my kids punching back. Yeah. Times you know, last night I got beat up by three of them after we had a game and I won. But their whole thing was like, hey, you know, we were gonna beat whoever wins get beat up, but we're gonna beat you up soft, and that was just a trick. And when it's done, they just you know they jumped on me. Yeah. Broke my butt. So I think that that for me is probably like one of the things that I spend more my time. <laughs> We fight, we fight, dog. We fight, dog. I wouldn't say that's a hobby, but I would say that's a hobby. Yeah. Well, is there a movie they watch over and over again, or favorite movies going around the house? It varies. It's you know, Iron Man. They like Black Panther. That's my youngest, and that's also. Black Panther is like one of his favorite movies. Yeah. I, I love the Black Panther. I think we watched that like twenty times. Yeah, Black Panther's fire. He's fire as well. Yeah. Uh, Iron Man, so I think the Williams are Marvel movies. They like yeah. superhero. That's what we're gonna see today is in the terms. So that's a Marvel movie. They're really into Marvel movies. Um, but and then because right now we're like Five out of six individuals in the home the boys, so it's kind of like you can run the TV. So, all the movies kind of like my wife doesn't get a lot of, a lot of opportunity with the table. Yeah, yeah. separate TV for her. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's it's kind of funny at times. It's like, let's have a movie that she like, you know, watch a Superman movie with, and she was like, That's hilarious. Yeah, we gotta be heroes in this house. Amen. So, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie is The Last Dragon. The Last Dragon, Bruce Lee? Bruce Leroy. Leroy? Yeah, The Last Dragon. Bruce His last Lee. name isn't Leroy. No, not Bruce Lee. Just look up The Last Dragon. Bruce Lee? Yeah, so it's like the black version of Bruce Lee. Oh my god, there's an actual black Bruce Lee dragon? What? I gotta look this up immediately myself. The movie is called uh, The Last Dragon. Show oh, no. This is this is means the master. <laughs> I'm about to see this. Oh my god, he's not waking this up. Yeah, check it out. I'm gonna have to check this out. Yeah. When did you see this? Uh, cause you haven't been young when you saw this uh mm-hmm. last dragon. How old? I, I I don't remember, but I know I was pretty old. And it was early teens, probably early teens. Because it must have like imprinted on you, like, uh, like hey, because I could, I could, you see could do myself. anything you want. You know what I mean? I could see myself. In it, you know? Yes. And, and that, that, that was one thing. Like, hey, man, that's who I want to be. Yeah. Like, I want to be that guy. He gets the nice girl. You know. Yeah. Everything. So, so that was that was me. I'm like, I want to be that person. Yeah. With the glow. Yeah. What's your favorite car you've ever had? <sighs> Crazy. Uh, being going through series, I think it's like another. Uh, don't you still have one in Jamaica? So in Jamaica, I actually have a Jag, an F type, uh, an S type Jag that's still there. Yeah. Um, I actually still have a BMW here. I feel like it's one of the, it's, 
don't know, for me, you know, like some people like, hey, I want Porsche and all these exotic cars, but for me, my dad had a new Ah, uh, okay, that's what it is. My dad had a new buddy growing up, so it's like, you know, I always wanted one. You know, he didn't really have this roar, you know, like this, like to me, I, I guess I would say the engine sounded like Vickens, like a very white horse, you know, it's like deep, had this deep roar, like, that's what I remember about my dad's. And, uh, you know, coming here, like I've had, you know, I've been through like, a lot of different cars, yeah. but, but you know, it's like a lot of different BMWs and stuff like that. But I think like the Greasy would be really for me, so I like, you know, my favorite because it's like it's an everyday driver, you get to feel the road. You know, it's, yeah. I really truly believe, I truly believe in the safety and the ultimate driving machine because you can kind of feel that it's, it's definitely a driver's car, yeah. So that's that's one of my my, my all time favorite. What about your favorite book? <sighs> so 48 Laws of Power. Oh, yeah. I, I really do like that one. And the crazy thing about it is, I actually like the 50th law as well. Because I, I, I didn't get, I, I realized that, you know, a lot of people don't like 50 cents. But the 50th law is about, you know, you're a green as well. But most people don't really realize, like, his, his, like, how much of a marketing genius he is. And they really respect him. Uh, as much as I do today, until I actually read that book. Um, that, that so book what is a great it? Book. It's called The 50th Law. And so it corresponds with 50 Cent, Curtis Jackson? Yes, it's written by Robert Greene, uh, but it's about him. Um, and it's an amazing book. So to summarize, like what what is The 50th Law and how, what's that to do with 50 Cent? Everything he did was intentional, if you just think about it, like everything that he did. So is that The 50th Law and Heshanabi? Uh, I, would, I would say so. And that that for me, so check that book out if you have. Yeah. So a lot of people think, okay, man, it's it's it, it's it's not like one of those things that you you would really think about fifty cents. Like you think about his adversity that he went through. Think about you know like all the drama that he has that, that he puts out there. Yeah. Not really knowing that he's doing that intentionally. He's intentionally. Oh yeah, absolutely. To bring, to bring your attention to what it is. He, he asked his guys to leak to bootleg his own album before simply to market and actually drove itself up and find out all these things about what he did uh, within that book. And I think Robert Green would be he really exemplifies the story. He really put it out uh, pretty well. So I think they, they called it the 50 of Law. And obviously, they did 50 cents, but uh, it was an amazing book for me. That's crazy. That sounds fire. You can check it out. Do you believe in aliens? <laughs> I'm not quite sure to say if I do if if I believe in but but I always I, I do believe that I don't think we're alone. This, this universe is too big for, for yeah, us. Yeah, man. Like only like three percent of the oceans like discovered. Yeah, like I, I don't I, I, I do believe that we're not alone. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not quite sure if I, I believe that the aliens can land it or anything like that. I, well, I, I don't follow the news much, but, uh, you know, here and there, the podcast that I listen to, the individuals that I've talked to, and certain things like that, where it's like, where they release, like, government documents that, hey, look, you know, we've kept that UFOs are real, UFOs right. are real. It's, it's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm one that's like, I wouldn't say that I'm apathetic, because obviously with us being a business, we, we care more than... Most mm-hmm. individuals, I would say, do we have to? Our paycheck mm-hmm. depends on it. Uh, but when it comes to like news and like certain things, like I don't like 
I'm not going to have anxiety over things that I can't control because I know it's like, hey, look, what can I control? We're here today. And in a sense, like not morbid way, we're gone tomorrow. So it's like, if there's aliens, then there's aliens. What are you going to do? I can't control. Right. And that's the thing. But yeah, but do I have a sense of belief or you know, curiosity or just thoughts or whatever you want to call it that, that we're not alone? Yes. Yes, I would, I would definitely say that. Do I believe that they landed here and some of these things? No, not really. But do I, I just feel like Hey, we, we cannot be alone. That's just that's just a thought. Yeah. What's as we kind of wrap up here, I'm thinking in my mind like another curious thing that I have is like I feel like for me like one of my one of my favorite um, historical and I don't know if it's fictional but like like champions or certain things like that like you think of like Leonidas, Sparta, and my uh, think for me it's like Achilles. Like the kind of, I think it's more of the Greek mythology, but some of those warriors I don't know like for you like, like studying history I feel like. I, th- I think I think there's like similarities. I find a lot of successful individuals sometimes. You know, I mean, they dive down history because I feel like you study history to make sure you don't allow it to repeat itself in, in your life and in your business or businesses. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like, if, if you've ever gotten into history or have like somebody that stands out, like a great champion, leader, or, or individual that kind of stands out, like that that dude or that woman was sick with her leadership and just killing everybody or something. <laughs> Necessarily killing people, but um, Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey. I didn't really realize how 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 much of an impact he actually had. So what was his? So he's probably one of the guys that that really impacted the, the black movement here in the United States. Now was is he one of the founders of that the black luxury estate? Like where were where were they building that up? You know. And they burned it to the ground. The white supremacists burned it to the ground. You know what I'm talking about? It was like Montana or... Uh, nah, I'm, I'm not going to... Hey, don't, 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 don't like, quote me on that. But because Marcus Garvey is like one of our national heroes, you know, in Jamaica. And then coming here. Oh, okay. And then just like hearing some of the stories that he actually migrated. He actually came here and just kind of helped uh, with the black liberation, per se, yeah. uh, from that. And, and being from Jamaica and then knowing the impact that he had here um, is, is a is a very proud moment uh, for me, you know, as a Jamaican. Yes. Uh, to kind of go through that, you know, kind of lends himself with all the things that Bob Marley has done, you know, like uh, taking that reggae music to the world, per se, but also black liberation uh, throughout what it is that he's done. So I want to look at uh, two of those, those, those individuals uh, from my perspective, knowing that my heritage, you know, coming up, you know, proud Jamaican actually helped, yeah. you know, the world in, 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 some, in some way, shape, or form. You know, you show someone a, a, an image of Bob Marley, they know exactly who that person is. Absolutely. You know, telling somebody about Marcus Garvey, not everyone knows who he no, is. I mean, I didn't know that he was the truth of the matter. He, 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 he is uh, very... I feel like there's not a lot of black history in the public school system, though, either. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's probably true. And you know what I mean? Because, like, I remember, I mean, it wasn't too long ago, I was, I was you know, going to the public school system, but, like, I don't remember us really like outside of like Martin Luther King really getting into anybody else. That's pretty much it. That's all we're allowed to have. Half of me is allowed to have. Right. You know, but but I swear like we didn't go over and I think about that, I think of the things that that we leave out of like just a full context of just raw history. I think of like how many adjustments have been made to our history books over the last two hundred years. You know what I mean? Like that worries me. Right, and then so so sometimes it's like you know what's true, what's true, yeah, what is true, and sometimes you know we tend to believe the written word, 
Yeah. If it's ripped or I'm seeing it in. It's real. Exactly. Yeah, it's real. And the truth of the matter is, real history was typically passed down verbally. Yes. Yeah. And and sometimes I feel like you find more truth. And go play the song game right now. Like five minutes, you're going to have a whole new story. A whole new story. You know, you you try to do that. But a lot of times, I feel like that's kind of where it is. So I agree with you that I feel like there should be more, you know, black history. More Um, black history. More raw education. Like teaching kids, like, they should start credit as, as soon as possible. I think there's ways, you know, we, we have, you know, good financial literacy for the most part. You got right. way further than me. But I believe you can set your kids up with a credit card, like, even before they're 16. Exactly. And you can have their credit essentially established where instead of you telling them to save up and buy their own car, which is pretty much based off inflation, almost impossible to do. Right, right. They could they could have good credit and get like a their own loan. Their own you loan. You know what I mean? Process. And get through the process because you said, and, and that goes with I think financial literacy in the educational system. And we don't need to like teach them about MTFs, ETFs, and, and how to crush Wall Street, but just right. like hey, you build up your credit. Here's where taxes go. Here's yeah. other opportunities outside of the ed- traditional educational system and trade schools. And, and ironically, you would say that because that that's one of the things that I recently kind of partnered with, and this is a plug for them, uh, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it's called Made to Excel. So it's a not-for-profit that's, that's dealing with financial literacy um, yeah. for, for young black black. Yes. And, and, and I started talking about that. Especially the young, young black, because I feel like I, I went to, like, once once my dad went away, we went to, like, a predominantly kind of, like, white, trashy area. And, mm-hmm. like, I was, you know, you look how dark I am being mixed. Mm-hmm. I was the darkest, like, darkest black kid in my school. Right. And it was, like, Obviously, I was I was a bad kid. You know what I mean. So I'll, I'll take responsibility for that. But I was still like almost like treated differently. There was like there was two or three times that my principal, like I like I cannot make it up, told me like you're never gonna amount to anything. You're gonna be just like your dad. You know what I mean. Like I think I I had a racial experience. This kid called me inward. I just I beat him up. You know what I mean. I'd be, that's what I was told to do. That's, that's all I was. That's all I knew. So I probably I, I obviously now as an adult I would not handle this just a word. I could right. do less. Right. But I did that. And the principal was like, you just use the race car. And did, like discarded it, discarded it. I got in trouble. And then I almost got like more trouble for it. And then I, I just think of like our whole system. And it's like, we've come a very far away from right. like water fountain saying black and white and being right. in chains and everything like that. But I think it's still still in slavery when you don't educate somebody. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're, you're so, you can be free, but you right. ain't free. Bob Wiley again, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. No, and that's a fire bar. I need to know that. That's all. Three hour mind. And, and that's the truth. Because a lot of times we don't really realize that that we could free our youths simply by teaching them yep. the things that they don't know. And um, but, like I believe that it's, it's our responsibility as, as, as older brothers, dads, um, you know, just maybe elders in the community or whatever, is to kind of give back to the others. Because I think like the simplest or the fastest way to success is by avoiding, you know, some of the potholes or mistakes that someone else has made before. Yes. Because like we, you know, like as, as the world evolves and things evolve, times change and the way we sell today is different than you know, yes. we sell, you know, you know, a couple of years ago. So there's a lot of differences, but a lot of times the mistakes are the same. So we kind of just help people through that process and say, hey, avoid these potholes. Yeah. You know what I mean? On, on your journey throughout yes. this process, you know, that kind of saves you some time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, hey, you're not going to run out there and make the same mistakes that I made or someone else made before. So 
you're going to get to your destination a little bit faster because you're not wasting time on some of those mistakes that someone else made before. Yes. So, you know, for me, I think we don't really realize how much we deliberate uh, yes. individuals just by educating um, and just saying, hey, you know, I had bad credit before and these, yeah. the mess- these are the things that I messed up, so just don't do this. It might not give you a perfect credit score, yes. but it's going to give you a better credit score than where I was when, when I was your age. I made a hundred grand my first year out of high school and couldn't buy a car. Right. Not because, like, if I wanted to, it was like, you, I couldn't finance a car. Exactly. Right? So I couldn't finance a car because I didn't have proper credit. Exactly. And it wasn't that I had bad credit score. People think, and, and it's even more complex than having a good credit score. I've made, I made 200000 the following year and couldn't get a fancier car. Now I had a good credit score, but I didn't have good credit depth. Then the third year, I went and made a half mil, and they said I wanted to get another fancier car. And and they said, okay, you got good credit, you got some credit history now, you have a good credit score, but now we need specific credit like income correspondence with fancy vehicles. Exactly. Like they were like, we need to see that you can afford for seven months a fifty thousand dollar finance like loan on a vehicle, and then. For so, and then after that, we'll look at, we'll reevaluate everything. If you pay for that for seven months, now you can get it. And it's like, and so it's like, they keep breaking it down and breaking it down. I hear when you go to buy a house, they look at your income to debt ratio. So it's like, it's like there's four big areas where they, they really analyze as you want to do more and more. And, 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 I, and I think that that's one of the things that, that we miss, especially in the black community, is that education. Yeah. Like it ain't just having a good credit score. Right. It's not just having a good credit score. And, and as simple as, you know, the importance of having credit. You yeah. know, a lot of times, it, it, even just coming here and, and uh, at the age that I did, you know, you'll hear all the time, cash is king, cash is king, cash is king. The truth of the matter is you can't multiply, you know, that and having great credit allows you, you know, credit is king. people money. So yep. you know, the truth of the matter is credit is king and not necessarily showing you the importance of it um, throughout. So <clears throat> I think educating our youths yes. um, in financial literacy, I think that's a great thing and a huge part of that is what we do. Yes. Insurance. You yes. know, think of think about how many people that we educate while yes. uh, we're out there. Um you know, sitting in a home, the average person would say, Hey, you know, I want fifty thousand dollars of life insurance, but they're you know, they got four kids and they make two hundred thousand dollars a year and the other spouse might not work. And how long is fifty thousand dollars gonna last? You know, if they should pass away, because when somebody dies, their income dies with them. Yes. So, so educating individuals throughout, you know, from an early age, you know, bringing financial literacy, and I think that that will kind of help the future generation. Yes. And I think we'll be able to kind of see you know individual rise through through poverty. I got two more questions. What's your proudest? I already know what this answer should be, so I'm gonna ask it again and excluding what your first answer is. What's your proudest moment in life? Proudest moment in life. That's a tough one. Uh, for me to get. But you know what? It's not. I'm going to tell you that it's graduating uh, with my bachelor's degree, kind of walking across the stage, having a true sense of accomplishment. Who was out there to see you that made you feel important? My mom. Yeah, so that's so what I think. I think that right there was just being able to be the first hundred percent completed. Completed. I'm the think first of that ninety-seven percent. Only have my siblings and my you know what I mean. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the only one with the degree. Yes. Um, uh, 
person that I'm just seeing that moment, you know, my mom can stand there and actually see me walk across the stage, you know, having that, that personal sense of completion. Yeah. Uh, that. And just, just getting her the opportunity to have that smile. I wonder what the degrees are by, by race, like if there's a large difference. Could be. I, I, I would say it is. But, but that, that, was, that was probably that was, your proudest that, moment. That was my proudest moment. It's just being able to, to give her that gift of saying, hey, you know, my son, my son graduated. You know, yes. Great. You know what I mean? Here's my last question. And I think it, apply, it will apply to and your businesses, because I feel like any man or woman would want to set their children up for them to have a better life than they did. And that'll correspond with success with the question I'm going to ask now, and that is, if you could only leave to your kids three things, what would you leave to your children? Are we going to exclude money? I mean, yeah, I'm, I was hoping so. I was like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm like, going to lean that's towards fair, the, that, That's fair. That's fair. So, so we'll, we'll exclude teach money. Teach a fish. Yeah, so, so we'll exclude money. Uh, I just frowned. So, <laughs> so, I, so, so <laughs> I, I would say uh, dream big. Um, bigger than whatever your dreams are right now. Uh, so I'd say that would that'd be one thing. Where you dream, dream big. Dream big. Um, don't set, um, I would say, like, hey, I want to have this, but at minimum, I want to have this. You yeah. know what I mean? Take that minimum out yes. of it. So I would say, dream big, eliminate the minimums, or yeah. at least. The settling. Right. Yes. Settling. No settling. It's like this subconscious thing that you'll get up and you'll say, it's like, hey, um, you know, I didn't make this, but at least I made this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Subconsciously, you're, you're, you're lowering your bar. So I'm like, take, yeah. take that out. And the last thing is, never give up. Yeah. You know, never give up. You never fail until you quit. You know, you hear it in so many different ways. So many people say that in so many different ways. And yes. I can actually say that simply. For, for me here, there's so many times oh, God. In, 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 my, in my career. In yeah. Jail with you guys I, I, would, I wanted to walk away yeah and I could have walked away and maybe should have walked away yeah people are be yeah like, I'm still here yeah uh, but knowing that you you know not giving up because a lot of times you know, here that you know people say hey half, half of being successful is just showing up yes and uh, ironically I just had this conversation with my son the other day and I'm going to share it with you and uh, as a matter of fact this was last Monday I remember waking up which which son? Tiger. Okay. Yes. That, that stuff. So yeah. Last Monday morning, I got up and you know, typically, you know, I walk in this room and, and if the room is like messy in the morning, it's like this yelling and hey, why did you do this? Why did you do that for your mom? And blah 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 blah. And this morning, we're just pointing heavy on me just to talk to him about greatness, like how great he is. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, son, you know, a lot of times. All you gotta do is just stop putting up the roadblocks of being great. Just show up. Just just do like the normal stuff and, and greatness is out here. Yes. In you know. Yes. Yeah. Some yeah. people have to work hard at being great. Yes. But just stop doing the things that's preventing you from being great. 
Yeah. Just do their own things. And I think that that's one of the things I, I hopefully that, that resonated with them is just saying, hey man, you know, just show up, never give up, don't quit. So yeah. set your goals high. Don't limit yourself throughout that, you know, putting those at least in it and, and never give up. Fire. This was fire. We're almost an hour and a half in. So this is good to wrap up on. And I, I think, is there anything else you want to advertise, shout out, anything for, for you and uh, businesses <laughs> you want to help out? Definitely, like I said, the uh, the uh, made to excel is definitely, definitely something that I that nonprofit. It's definitely a nonprofit kind of teaching uh, young black men yep. financial literacy. Um, so, KAV Transports. Yes, that, that, that's our business. Where can they find KAV Transports? KAV Transports. You'll find us currently on, on Instagram right now. We're building a website right now. Okay. So, so that's a, a transportation company <coughs> that me and my wife has built. Yeah. Um, kind of like ten years, a little over ten years in the making. Like we started off and saying, "Hey, we're going to do this," and, and, and not come along. But the, the biggest thing that I want to plug is it's us. It's yep. the labor. You know yeah. I mean? Event agency and our stuff because it's simply because you know right now, I think the point of my career that I'm at, I, I feel like I want to uh, keep inspiring yes. you know, individuals and just kind of. But like give them what it is that I've had in you know, yep. my ten years of experience. You know, some of my mentors' experience. You talk about Dave Lang, Saul, you know, Saul Lopez, which is you know one of my guys. I wouldn't necessarily say he's a, he's a mentor or my coworker. It's just all of those experiences. Yeah. I want to be able to impart that on other people throughout. So I definitely saying just plugging in. To, yes. You know us. You know here is the labor card here. And just just kind of bringing in Absolutely. some young minds. Or yes. Kind of Absolutely, absolutely. So you guys feel free to reach out. You guys find us on social media. You can find Andre on social media as well. Just search around for Andre Van. Yeah, you'll exactly. find him. And uh, we're in Chicago, Illinois. We are checking out. Great episode. Great job, Aiden, Tiger, Andre. Pleasure. Appreciate you, Andre. Let's go.